This podcast is a member of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. All right, welcome everybody to another podcast episode with Semper Reformanda Radio. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. Welcome everyone to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. Well, welcome to the School of Biblical Hermeneutics. Welcome everybody to Grappling with Theology. What is going on, guys? Shine as lights coming at you. Well, welcome to Slick Answers. Good evening and welcome to Conversations from the port. This is the Council of Google Plus. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bible Thumping Wingnut Podcast. The Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. Ten podcasts, one network. Check them out. BibleThumpingWingnut.com. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals, and this is Colleen, and my co-host is Ashley Glassick. We're on the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network, and we are a podcast by women, for women. How's it going? Um, It's going. I mean, I think I said this two weeks ago, but I'm going to say it again, that I'm a teacher, and it's me. Right. I was actually <laughs> just going to say that. So it's going. It's going. We're we're almost I there. Was, I was just thinking today. Um, what do you have? Like two weeks left. Yeah, less than two weeks now. So, pretty excited. Pretty excited. And you excited. can have a exciting summer plan too, because you're going to Italy, right? Yeah, I'm going to Italy for ten days, um, in June, just to see the Pope, right? Just to see the Pope. Yeah. That's all I'll say about that. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to the Vatican, though. We are going to visit it. So just for the historical aspect of it. Just to see it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, You know, my um, husband is taking two of my boys next week to England. And that might sound kind of funny to people. Why would he just take two of your boys? But since my husband works for an airline and we fly for free, we're able to do stuff like that. So he's taken two of the boys and I'm staying home with two of the boys. But I'm really excited for them to go. I am jealous of your husband's job. That's really, really cool. Yeah. What's going on with you, though? Well, let's see. So we've had some interesting discussions in the group this week and some, I don't know, should I bring this up or not? But there was some, you know, points made on contrasting covenant theology and dispensationalism and and a suggestion that we kind of go over some of the more practical aspects of the two so i and what i think actually is that those things are going to come up in the podcast different aspects we disagree with Mm -hmm. them on some things but but we love them i mean i was a dispensationalist before i was reformed and I know many wonderful dispensationalists, and we had Andrew on the show, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And But I think for people who are newer to theology, they don't completely understand, like, the differences. Why is it such a big deal? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's hard because it is a big picture thing. You know, it's we've said we said on the podcast, if I'm remembering correctly, that dispensationalism isn't just eschatology. It's a whole framework. You know, it's how we read the Bible, just like covenant theology is. And so you kind of have to understand big picture what it is to really understand the difference between the two. Right. I can understand why that that might be a little confusing to kind of get those two things in your head and understand why they're different. Right. And I was actually thinking today about our podcast with with Brian Thomas on Lutheranism and when he talked about the different steps to or I, I don't know if they're called steps actually, but you know, things to remember when you are dealing with those from different tradition, different traditions and the thing that I love is that we can have unity on the essentials. You know, mm-hmm. MacArthur has been yep. instrumental in bringing so many people into Calvinism. Yeah. And, you know, some of them stay within Calvinistic dispensationalism. Some of them move into a more reformed camp. But he has definitely done a lot of wonderful things, including on Strange Fire. And I think he did charismatic chaos. So, you know, we we do appreciate them. I mean, MacArthur has been at the Ligonier conferences. So. Mm-hmm. And I think the church we both grew up in was influenced by Master Seminary, yes. and which is his seminary. So, you know, we're, we're very familiar with him and. We appreciate him and all that the seminary has right. done, you know. And that so. and that's a good thing to say because I think there was also, you know, sometimes people think that that maybe we think that if you aren't reformed and believe in covenant theology, then you aren't a Christian, and that is very far from the truth. We we absolutely recognize so many brothers and sisters in Christ who are outside of the reformed camp, you know, who yeah, that's. That's a good point. I mean, can we talk about hyper-Calvinism a little bit? Sure, too? let's do that. Because <laughs> that, yeah, because that's come up a little bit too. Um, yeah, I think sometimes we there has been that accusation of if you're, you know, if you're a Calvinist, then, you know, you, you must, I mean, some people don't understand Calvinism and they make that assumption that you must believe all these other people aren't Christians and stuff. Um but really, I mean, if you're actually a Calvinist, you don't think that way. That's that's hyper-Calvinism, which we, we do not agree with. That, you know, you can say you must be a Calvinist to be saved. That is just ridiculous. Like, we would frown on that. Very much disagree with that. Right, yeah. and I don't think that would be acceptable in our, that would not be acceptable in Reformed churches, in um, Presbyterian Mm-mm. and Reformed churches. Um, have you heard, yeah. Ashley, of something called neo-Gnostic Calvinism? Uh, that rings a bell, but I couldn't tell you. So what it is, no. it, it's, it's a little bit confusing, but I have had a couple of friends who've been influenced by it. Neo-Gnostic Calvinism says not only do you have to recognize Calvinism as necessary for salvation, if you're a Calvinist but don't recognize Calvinism as necessary for salvation, then you too are not saved. Well, that means we're not saved. Right, exactly. I mean. <laughs> no, I, I have a friend who, it's a very small group of people, you know, 
considering all, you know, the whole Calvinistic camp, but I had a friend who has been influenced and even unfriended me because I think Calvinism isn't necessary for salvation. Hmm. Yeah, if anyone tells you that you have to be a Calvinist to be saved, please, please correct right. them. That that is just not true. Now, there, I mean, there are there are essentials. Absolutely. Like, if someone were to say, "I reject the Trinity. I don't think Jesus is God," then you'd say, uh, "I'm sorry, we we can't have unity on that. That that goes completely against what Scripture it's teaches." It's a heresy. It's a heresy. You cannot even call yourself a Christian if you're going to deny that Jesus is God and reject um, the concept of a trinity. So, you know, there there are those things where, you know, we can't have unity with people that, that would say something like that. But, you know, we're talking about just people who are just disagree with Calvinism, not, not you know, people who reject the... The right and I I was a Christian for years before I was a Calvinist or embraced reformed theology and I don't think I became a Christian because I accepted the five points of Calvinism <laughs> no no that would be silly because there's people who are Christians there's people who are Christians that will never accept the five points right you know I mean on on this side of glory they'll never accept that and so to say they're not christians we won't see them in heaven that's just silly yeah it it actually makes me extremely extremely sad because this one friend of mine had been a christian for years and said oh i just only became a christian a few months ago when i recognized calvinism is necessary for salvation Hmm. and i was just heartbroken by it wow because I know this person. Yeah, I've never come across that. And well, it's it's such a small little group. It really mm-hmm. is, um, and so I mean, it would literally mean that there is a very tiny percentage of people who claim to be Christians who are actually Christians. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about a narrow, narrow gate. Right. <laughs> very narrow (laughs) and it's already pretty narrow as it is right but we are grateful that you you know it's one thing i thought about it is they emphasize justification by faith alone but i think that they are putting a condition on salvation oh yeah yeah absolutely so well we have a great topic for you ladies tonight i know something that many are struggling with in all kinds of different ways and that is suffering so we're going to be right back we're going to go to a little commercial and we'll be right back looking for that perfect track for your next evangelism outreach look no further at trackplanet.com we have solid biblical tracks that are a breeze to hand out they are beautifully designed and are the highest quality tracks available With over 80 different designs in stock and literally hundreds more available by custom order, we're sure to have just the right one for you. You can get any of our items printed with your church or ministry information or have us design a brand new tract just for you. We are committed to the solid biblical message of law to the proud and grace to the humble. Each tract is firm on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the necessity of repentance and faith in salvation. 
Come check us out at trackedplanet.com and make sure you use coupon code BTWN at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's TRACTplanet.com, coupon code BTWN. So, Ashley, we are tackling suffering, and this is kind of a huge topic. Yep. It encompasses a lot. Yeah. and A lot. You know, one thing I, I really want to emphasize before we even get started about why we suffer and how to be encouraged in suffering and how to comfort others who are suffering is suffering comes in all different shapes and sizes and timelines. You can have somebody who suffers with an illness for years. You can have a few hours of suffering in a day because you're dealing with um, being attacked by somebody or a co-worker, your spouse, those sorts of things. And so suffering really comes in all shapes and sizes. And one thing I realized when I first started having some health issues and people would tell me, oh, I'm, I'm having a difficult time, I'm suffering, but not like you. And I would say, you know what, your suffering is, is real and it is, it is real to you. And so you can't, one thing you cannot compare, you cannot compare to what other people are suffering with because your suffering is very real to you. And we know that because God will use even small sufferings for our good and his glory. Yeah, I've had, I've had experiences like that before where, you know, someone will share with me, I'm really struggling, you know, with this, you know, my relationship with this person and I'm. And they're just like almost in tears telling me about it. And from the outside, I mean, sinfully, I look at it and go, yeah, but look at your life. Like your life is so perfect and so many, like, you know what I mean? Like I'm just like, it just seems so small. But then I have to understand, like I I simply can't compare. Right. It's just not fair for me to say that's not that big of a deal. Right. (laughs) Look at how good you have it. (laughs) That's that's you just can't do it's that. It's easy to do though too because you want to look at someone. So let's say if if you're a woman with a difficult marriage and you're talking to a woman who has a wonderful marriage but she's suffering with something else and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but your marriage is good. You you know, you don't have any room to complain. You know that sort of thing. But even it it's very difficult to to truly put yourself in someone else's situation. Or even if you you are living paycheck to paycheck, just trying to, you know, pay the bills, and your friend who has no problem paying the bills says, I'm suffering with, you know, disciplining my children, and it's just this huge trial with my child, you know, you're just like, yeah, but you guys never have to worry about groceries or, you know, yeah. like, there's just so many ways this could manifest. You know, we're so quick to compare. Right. It's, it almost, you know, that whole phrase, the grass is greener on the other side. I think there's really something to that. Because I think the other thing is we can look at someone's life. You know, a woman who seems to have it all together, a good marriage. Her house is always spotless. Her children are always well behaved. And on the outside, she looks like her life is just perfect. But we also don't know what things she may be suffering with on the inside. Yeah, quietly, right. quietly suffering. Right, and yeah. you know, I think I think people are different. I think some people have an easier time talking about what they're struggling with, but I think some people have a 
more difficult time talking about, you know, their struggles. So before, I have kind of a story that gets right into our first point. And I had started um, to get sick and was diagnosed with an illness. And we were at the homeschool co-op. And somebody left a letter in our family folder, which that kind of was like, notes from teachers or worksheets or that sort of thing people could leave in there and it was about how if I had enough faith I could be healed and I think I think even for those of us who know reformed theology who know the truth of scripture it's easy to fall into thinking when you're suffering it's easy to fall into this thinking that I must have done something to deserve this I must have done something mm-hmm. specific to deserve this. Yeah. So what you're saying is that sin, suffering isn't always the result of, of sin. Right. Or discipline. Because we do know from scripture that it sometimes is the result of discipline. Discipline, Like in Hebrews 12, it says, it is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons so as a mom I understand when I discipline my kids um, hopefully it's not because I'm angry at them hopefully it is because I'm training them up in the Lord because they have to suffer the consequences of something that that they have done and I think it's it's all too often very typical to assume that your suffering Mm -hmm. is the result of something that you've done I found this great article from R.C. Sproul, who um, talks about this passage when the disciple, let's see, he says, um, let me get to the passage. For John 9, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And this article from Sproul says, however, the disciples made the mistake of particularizing the general relationship between sin and suffering. They assumed there was a direct correspondence between the blind man's sin and his affliction. They had not read the book of Job, which deals with a man who was innocent and yet severely afflicted by God. And it it goes on from there, but... The Lord has put this this story, you know, from John in his word to make the point that suffering is not always the result of sin. Yeah, suffering sometimes is just suffering. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't always have the explanation right. <laughs> that goes along with the suffering. Like, yeah, you're suffering X because it'll make you Y or, you know, like we don't we don't get that part. Sometimes we just suffer. Right. And and I think I think I think people go to I mean the whole you're suffering because of your sin. I think people really want an easy explanation. I think you know they want right. the quick, you know, you must be suffering because you know you did x or y. Um because the the you know the explanation of sometimes we just don't know why isn't very satisfying. Right. You know, you, you want a, a more more concrete answer as to why you're suffering. Right. And 
and the great thing is is that the bible is full when i when i did this su- this study of suffering from scripture i was when i put everything together all the reasons for suffering i was actually shocked because i i realized when i put them all together wow i didn't realize scripture had so many different reasons why we suffer so what are those reasons well let's yeah i've i've made a little list here we can go through yeah, I see it. Um, our suffering tests and prepares us and teaches us to rely on God. And we've got... We've got oh, I love that you included... Yeah, First Peter, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary. You have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the rele- <laughs> the rela- at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's a great one. So that was 1 Peter 1, uh, 6 through 7. So, and this is really, really a reminder of the fact that God does use our suffering for our good and his glory because he uses it to teach us. You know, I've, I've been through some different things, and in the midst of it, I'm like, God, I have had moments of asking God why, and, and moments of, I just want it to be over, but afterwards, I can see how the Lord used it to teach me many things. So what's another, another one, Ashley? Well, I was thinking, um, so when we're suffering... Um, we're comforted by God in our suffering. And sometimes, like, it's awesome when when you suffer through something and you just are so comforted by the Lord in that. And then later on, your sister is suffering with the exact same thing. Like, you're able to, to share. And able, you're able to understand and share what you were comforted by in that suffering. So it's like he's preparing us for for that, that right moment. and that's exactly what what scripture says in second corinthians bless be the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of mercies and god of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction i mean that that is you know in some sense it seems like it would be obvious but that the Lord included that in scripture. I always think, you know, when God included something in scripture, it's because it was, this is really an important thing. Yeah. And that it's, it's kind of an extension, you know, of God's love for us here on earth is, you know, he loves us directly, but he uses the body of Christ to, to kind of be an extension of that love. You know, we, we are able to see that very tangibly when our sisters are able to share in our sufferings with us. Yeah, and that, that's a good point. I know on last week's episode on the on the Mother's Day special, we had talked about miscarriage. And when I went through miscarriage, I really didn't know anyone um, that I would feel comfortable calling, at least, who had gone through it. And that was difficult, although I had friends who, who comforted comforted me greatly but I know that the Lord has brought other women in my life who are going through it and you know going through a certain thing 
there's somehow comfort knowing that someone else has been through it. Yeah. Even if they, even if they have nothing to say in that moment, just the affirmation, like I've been there. Right. Because you don't feel alone. You know, you've suddenly realized you aren't alone. And I just, I love that. Yeah. When I, when I was younger, I had a, a terrible bout of anxiety that lasted for a really long time. And, you know, for months I really thought, gosh, I must not be a Christian. Like, how could I go through this? Like, and then when I finally was connected with a woman at my church who, as I kind of described what was going on in my life and how I was suffering, to hear her say, oh, yes, I've exactly been where you are. And this is what I did. I mean, it was just a huge relief to hear that from another woman, you know, because I really thought I must be the only Christian that's ever, (laughs) ever been through this. This is so awful. Like, how can I even call myself a Christian? Um, So it was I, I can't even tell you how how much of a blessing it was to have someone say, yes, I've. I've experienced that exactly. I know I know where you are. And you know what I think the beautiful thing is? Is that now the Lord may bring people into your life where you can say, mm-hmm. you know, hey, I've been there. And, and so here somebody was for you, there for you. And now you, the Lord may use you in somebody else's life. So it's, it's really kind of a beautiful thing in the body of Christ. Yeah, it's like a chain. Right. A chain of like comforters. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know what? I wrote a lot of things down, but I didn't even get to every single reason. There are so many reasons for suffering in scripture. It's, it's truly amazing. But we suffer for our good. James 1 says suffering produces character and sanctification. And Romans 5 says... And not only that, but we also glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character hope. Have you seen this, Ashley, and things that you've gone through where the Lord has really used it for good? Oh, absolutely. And this has actually been like a mantra in my head when when I'm kind of struggling is, okay, this is for my glory, or this is for my good and his glory, my good. And like, sometimes it's just repeating that in my head because I don't always believe that. I'm just like, why in the world am I going through this? This is just a ridiculous situation. Like, how did I get here? And then I'm just like, this is for my good and his glory. I do not have the answers. I do not know why. But I do know, because he told me in scripture, that this is for my good and his glory. Right, and we can trust in that. And that's such a wonderful thing. When I was hearing you talking, I was reminded of Heidelberg Catechism, question one. So I just wanted to share it because I think it it really hits on this topic. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death. To my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, he has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and set me free from the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my Heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. 
Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. But I, I love that part where it says he works all things out for our salvation. But I think he worked, but we also know from scripture, he works everything for our good. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can look back in in my life and see places where I suffered, but my suffering drove me to my knees and I was in prayer more than I was before. I was relying more on his word than I was before and holding it holding his word to a greater value in my life than I was before. So I mean, I just over and over again like I think you don't always see why, but I think a lot of the times I can look back and and I do see some actual good, some fruit that came from that suffering. Yeah, it's almost like you can't see why when you're in the midst of it, but and maybe and of yeah. course we're not going to know all the why's on this side of heaven, but when you get kind of towards the end of it, you see wow, the Lord has really worked. And I've had prayers where I've said, Lord, I just can't even see how you could possibly use this for good. And, and yet he does because he loves us and he is great and he is wise. And so we have, we have much to be grateful for. And another one is we suffer that we may know him. And you touched on this, Ashley, where you said that it drives you to your knees. You know, that him, the the Lord, I need you every hour. I need you. Or is it I need thee? I think it, I think in the Trinity hymnal, yeah, I need thee every hour. Um, that one's in the Trinity, right? Right, I think so. Yeah, I think it's in the Trinity hymnal. Um, I think uh, there's times where I'm going throughout my day where I'm not thinking, oh, I need thee every hour, Lord, I need thee. And then all of a sudden suffering comes. <laughs> And I'm just like, oh, no, I need the every second. Right. <laughs> you know? So it has a way of humbling you and reminding you how desperately you need the Lord every single day, every single hour. Right. And it draws you closer to the Lord because there are situations where that that feel helpless. And the only place that you can go is to the Lord and to his word. And you get to know him and learn to trust in him yeah I love that um Philippians 3 when it says but whatever I gain I had I counted as loss for the sake of Christ indeed I count everything as loss because of their surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him I mean, I love the surpassing worth of just knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Even in the greatest suffering that we can go through, knowing Christ Jesus Lord as Lord and the salvation that he has given us far outweighs anything that we could go through. And I saw you you wrote down some other reasons here why, why we might suffer. Um, we suffer because of the fall, the first one that you wrote down. 
I like that because I think of how, you know, I think of like, especially our bodies and illnesses, like that is just a direct relation to the fall. Like the reason why we have these broken bodies that don't do what they're supposed to do and that just crumble. Like our bodies are just crumbling, you know, while we're here on this earth. And that's because of the fall. Um, Another one you listed was for Christ's sake that we suffer. Were you thinking when you wrote that, were you also thinking of like persecution we experienced? Yeah, that's actually a really good example of some of what I was thinking about when I wrote that. Because you hear stories of people, you know, in, in the U.S. we have it pretty good, but sometimes in other countries that it's illegal to be a Christian and to have a Bible, they actually suffer because of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, here it's like we suffer because we get mocked. Um because it's pretty obvious how much our culture hates Christianity and those who are not not walking with the Lord hate hate that we <laughs> thinking of a specific example in my life recently where they hate that we um, strive for just like purity in what we choose to watch or you know look at you know they they just mock yeah and holiness that we're pursuing it that we are fleeing from sin and that we want nothing to do with you know ungodliness um we'll be mocked for that they think it's absolutely ridiculous right especially because it's so typical in our culture like oh it's not a big deal people like to downplay sin i heard james white say something really interesting um that it was in an interview quite a while ago that he was predicting that Christian it was going to become more difficult to become a Christian but he said I think that that will also sift out those who are not totally devoted to Christ yeah I feel like Jay Gresham Machen would have something to say about that too I mean like the the liberals and I'm not okay hear me when I say liberals I'm not talking about political liberals <laughs> I'm talking about liberals in the church um they're gonna run because they don't want to be associated they don't want to be associated with um people that are against things like homosexuality and abortion like they 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 don't want to be on I mean it, we used to be on the right side supposedly of the social, you know, like society pretty much agreed with us, you know, however many years ago. And now that's no longer the, you know, quote unquote right side to be on. And so, you know, they don't want anything to do with that. Right. Yeah, that's that's a really great point. And um, another one, too, is it helps suffering actually helps us to have an eternal perspective. It really helps us to be mindful that this is not our home, that this suffering that we are enduring will not last, that one day we will be with Christ and all will be made perfect. Which which I, I love that. Let's go ahead and move on to kind of the comfort in our suffering because I know we have a lot of listeners who are suffering and I just wanna say to our listeners, It doesn't matter how small your suffering is, if someone is suffering greater 
you know, the Lord will use your suffering and you need comfort in your suffering. So the first one is remember God is with you. You know, the Lord never forsakes us. Isaiah 43, 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers. They shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. The flame shall not consume you. And just one more, um, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And Ashley, you talked about how our suffering draws us closer to Christ. And I think that the Lord uses that to comfort us. So another one is remember that the Lord's love is steadfast. And Lamentations, oh, it's a great one. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Wow. And when you think about what yeah. God's faithfulness means, one thing I remind my children is that when you when you sin, it doesn't mean that God loves you less. You know, our hmm. even though we seek to obey and he's working in our lives to sanctify us, our lack of sanctification does not change God's love for us. His love for us is steadfast. Yeah. yeah. And even in our times of rebellion, he's still loving us steadfastly. You know, I think of um, in one of the Gospels when it talks about how he won't lose even one of his sheep. You know, he'll go after his sheep. So <clears throat> I know I know. sometimes um, we put ourselves in our own suffering. <laughs> um, and so I know, I, c- I think that can be scary when you when you know you're in rebellion, you know. You know, what if, what if this pushes God over the edge kind of thing? Um, but he, he won't let go of even one of his sheep. He's steadfastly loving right. us. You know, I think it's amazing when you look in scripture of some of the pictures that God has given us so we can better understand him. Because we, you know, I don't know how much in this day and age we stop and think what a shepherd means. But, you know, sometimes mm. a, a little lamb wanted to go off on his own and not live in obedience to his shepherd, but the shep- but the shepherd goes and loves that little lamb and brings him back into the fold. It really is a beautiful picture. There was a pretty funny video going around on Facebook where the sheep was like stuck in a hole. I don't know if you saw this. It was so funny. And I think that the title of the video was like, sanctification or something and it shows it shows the shepherd just like pulling this helpless sheep just out of this hole that I don't know how it got in there but you know that's that's us we we get ourselves in those situations and God does not let go of us not for anything right and that that alone is comforting in our suffering well I wanted to share something that has brought me so much comfort comfort in this day and age there's so much emphasis on emotions you know I've had I've had gals write me and say but I don't feel this and I have to remind them to hold on to what we know to be true from God's word and for me Psalm 13 has brought me much comfort when it says how long O Lord Will you forget me forever? How long, O Lord, will you keep hiding your face? And 
I mean, that's some pretty great desperation, but I think many of us has been there. We're like, Lord, where are you? Aren't you listening to me? Aren't you, aren't you going to help me? And what I learned from that is the end of the psalm, and there's several psalms that follow this same sort of format, but the end of the psalm, it says, but I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has dealt kindly with me. And one thing I learned from this psalm and several others, and I'm going to link, link all of this in the resource sheet, is that we have to hold on to what we know to be true, even when we don't feel it. Because we all have mm. those times where we feel far from God or wonder if God is answering our prayers. But just like the psalmist, we need to proclaim and hold on to what God has said is true and what we know to be true, that, that God is gracious, that he has showered his loving kindness upon us, that he has brought us salvation mm. And I, I found really great comfort in that when I'm suffering. Because I think suffering more than anything mm. else is that time where we're tempted to say, God, you know, where are you? Why are you letting this mm. happen? Yeah, and I, I've heard a, a pastor talk about this when I was in college. Of You kind of have to do some talking to yourself because often your your emotions are telling you one thing and you have to kind of tell yourself like that actually true you know and I think I always think of Psalm 42 when he says why are you cast down oh my soul and why are you in turmoil within me like he's kind of he's doing that like he's having this internal struggle like why are you feeling the way that you are like you know what is true like you know and he goes on to say that now not to say that you can't have those emotions that um, but just the, the despair, you know, the woe is me that, you know, nothing good can come of, of my life right now. And he's saying, why are you downcast? I'm going to look it up right now because I can't remember exactly what it's called. Let me find it real quick. But there's a really great song where mm -hmm. they're called the Sing Team. I haven't. I'm going to totally look them up tonight. It's actually their most popular song. It's called mm -hmm. Satisfied in You. Um, and it's, it's, it's Psalm 42 um, that they do. They have some other really good songs. But that's been a really comforting song to me because it's just a modern arrangement of uh, Psalm 42. But later on in the psalm, after he says, like, why are you downcast? Um, he says, I remember you. And he starts listing things, you know. I remember this, the roar of your waterfalls and the breakers of your waves. And he's just, you know, the Lord commands his steadfast love. He's just going on and on. And later on, he says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Um, oh, yeah, he says, he says, I hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Um, so I think that's a pretty good model, don't you think, of yeah, kind of talking and, yourself? And I I just told somebody today that often I have to remind myself love for us is great and that he is faithful and will not forsake us. We can be reminded of all of the wonderful things he has done, like you were talking about in that psalm. Hmm. That doesn't make like everything you're suffering through just go away. Because um, I have actually seen that 
where people will be like, I just shouldn't feel this upset about this thing. And you're like, well, no, that was a really awful thing that happened. Like grieving or, you know, even anger or whatever the appropriate response is completely understandable. It like it is okay to feel. <laughs> I've placed in the other side of that. Um, so it is okay to feel. It's okay to feel remorse, um, regret, and you know, just, just to be upset. It's it's really just the despair right. part. When we go through suffering, there is time of healing before we're kind of you know over a situation. But the Lord can use that time to draw us close to himself and you know one thing I was thinking about Ashley too when you were talking is how amazing the psalms are and you know in a lot of we're not exclusive psalm psalmody um, holders but um, I know in some Presbyterian churches I've been in they've had the Psalter that they include with the psalms and I had talked about yesterday last week and so did Rebecca, how often those psalms have come to mind in times of suffering to bring comfort. Yeah, that's a great point is we really have a great tool, you know, available for us. And I, the same pastor who, who talked about Psalm 42 when I was in college also said, how often when you're suffering do you is your first response to pick up your bible and read through the psalms and that was really challenging for me because i sometimes i look for more temporal things you know to feel right by food <laughs> whatever tv show you know whatever it is um i don't you know pick up my bible and and start reading through the psalms when they're yeah. right there you know so that's a challenge to you listener and for me you know to to do that when when our emotions are just yeah i had a friend who went through a very 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 difficult time and was a family member and he kept his bible next to his bed with bookmarks in certain psalms because he would sometimes have a difficult time sleeping and he would wake up in the middle of the night and kneel by his bed when he couldn't sleep and he would pray those psalms Oh, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Talk about the su- your suffering driving yeah. you to the Lord. Because sometimes, sometimes you have no yes, hope but him, but there is hope in him. I want you to know this, um, those who are listening. Well, I don't want to neglect to talk about how we can help those who are suffering, because while some of us are suffering, I know just even from some of the posts in our group that there are many people trying to comfort others who are suffering and this is something I've thought a lot about I had gone through a a difficult miscarriage and the baby I was carrying had died and I had to deliver this baby and it was a very difficult time that I went through and when I went through that I asked myself because I didn't get a lot of comfort from others but I wanted to be able to like that Corinthians passage we talked about earlier to comfort others when they went through something and so I asked myself what can I do to help others um oh actually you know what we're not gonna even I I completely messed up we're not gonna get to that yet we're gonna get to us responding to our suffering then we're gonna get to 
um, responding to the suffering of others because I went kind of a little bit ahead. But how can we respond to our suffering, Ashley? Mm -hmm. um, the first thing, the hardest thing, is to give thanks in our suffering. And we see that very clearly in James 1, 2, where it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And that, you know, we got, to, we, we mentioned that earlier about how it produces fruit in our own lives when we go through suffering, but James gets right to what our response should be. And that's to be thankful, count it, count it as a joy right. that you're suffering, which when, I mean, I think the first time I read that, right. I was like, what? <laughs> that just is the exact opposite of how I want to respond, you know, when yeah. I'm suffering. And and why do we give thanks? It's actually for all the reasons we talked about earlier, because, and ultimately because we know that the Lord will use it in some marvelous way for our good and for his glory. Because of that, we can thank him and, and he will use it to work in our lives. And I, I've seen that in my own life. Yeah. So we, we don't, we don't necessarily know why we're being thankful I mean, I guess it's, we're commanded to be thankful, but, um, right. We just are, we, we're just choosing to, to be thankful for the suffering, for what it's going right. to produce, whatever that may be. <laughs> we can't even see it in this life, exactly what it produces, but we're going to. So even to when we don't thankful. feel like it, even when we don't feel like it, we can be grateful. Um, and then I have. And I have another one. It's, it's similar, but it's a little bit different, and that is rejoice in our suffering. Um, Colossians one twenty four. now rejoice in my suffering. You know, I'm just going to say real quick, I don't know if anyone can hear it, but we are having a hailstorm, so it feels like my house is being attacked, and you may be able to hear it. Yes, so I apologize. Hopefully I'll be able to um, clean up some of the background noise. Because Colorado gets hailstorms where it looks like it just snowed. And and I'll just say one time we had, I heard like our house, I thought it was being attacked. And then all of a sudden I hear glass break because there was a golf ball. There was golf ball size hail that broke our window. I was in shock. So, but um, Colossians says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body which is the church so we can rejoice in our sufferings you know for the sake of the church the Lord the Lord ultimately even when he uses something very very personally in our lives it can still be for the good of the church you know sometimes it's because we are able to comfort others and how the Lord uses it to draw us close to him yeah, that's a great point, Colleen. And then also, Ashley, do you have another one? Yeah, um, so, you know, give thanks, rejoice. Um, but I think I, we've already said this, right. but pray. Pray in our suffering. Um, my pastor has this one-liner that I love where he says, you should be wearing out your knees for this, you know, and 
I love, you know, it's true. It's like, am I doing that? Am I wearing out my knees praying for, for this thing, you know, going on? Um, and so, you know, we see this over and over and again. And I mean, more than the other ones, we see pray, pray, pray. So in First Thessalonians 5.16, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. That kind of wraps up our first three. Um, and then I'm looking uh, down in Philippians uh, 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be you know, made known when to my, God. My mother-in-law um, got cancer, and she and it was it was a pretty difficult situation. She had lymphoma. She she was in remission from that. She had colon cancer. She was in remission from that for five years, and then she hit a parked car, and she was acting confused. They sent her to the hospital for a scan and she was gone exactly four weeks from that date and was in hospice because her lymphoma had returned but when the pastor came she wanted philippians 4 read to her i just thought this was so amazing you know rejoice which i think you read ashley rejoice in lord always again i will say rejoice here she is dying from cancer and that's the passage she wants and of course it goes um you know, it goes on from there and, and says several things. Even if you go on, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And that she wanted that whole passage. The pastor would come and she'd say, read Philippians 4. But that actually encouraged me that that's, that's what she was focusing on in her last days. So I'm brings us to our next point of how I'd really ask when other people are suffering would have comforted me during that that time of suffering. Yeah, I you know, I do I do have examples where uh, things have people have uh done things that I say mm-hmm. yeah I wish they would <laughs> they would not have responded to me you know pouring out my soul to them and telling them you know what what was going on and I think I think my biggest objection to the way some people have responded we'll get to the positive ones I promise but my biggest objection has been when someone is not listening but they're quick to offer a solution. Um, that that is so discouraging, um, and I I kind of dismiss what they have to say because I say you know right. you're not even listening to what I'm telling you, and you're not even trying to understand. And I think I think that happens when someone is suffering with something that you don't understand. Um, you haven't experienced it yourself. Um, I mentioned earlier how I had that bout of anxiety and I did see that where I would, you know, share with someone and they would instantly offer me this solution. It just didn't fit with what I was trying to say. And it was very discouraging. You know, it's like, no, I, I really was right. looking for you to share in, in what's going on in my life. And so, 
um, I guess I would say, listen. And if you, if you don't understand, because that happens, people come to us and they're telling us, you know, I'm suffering with this and you're just like, right. why is that even hard? Or, you know, <laughs> you don't really get it, but try to understand why, why that is suffering for them. Even if it doesn't seem, you know, like it should be or whatever, whatever you feel about it, try to understand and just listen. I mean, the Bible tells us to, to, to weep with those who are suffering. Um, and so listen and, and be there for them before, before you go to, well, I think you right. can do A, B, or C. And that's actually one thing I learned in in that situation I talked about when I had lost a baby and I had asked myself what would have helped me is I think it's natural for us to try to give some wise words they're going to make everything better they're trying to say right hey, take this pill come back and talk to me in the morning you should be better and it just suffering doesn't work like that we can't snap our fingers and it's, right. it's just done. loving somebody and praying with and for them and and weeping with them you brought up that first Ashley just loving somebody and caring about them through this difficult time is a way that you can show Christ's love to them hmm. yeah and like we said earlier you know the body of Christ is like an extension of of God's love here on this earth and he uses us to, to love others, you know? And so just being, you know, just comforting someone who's suffering is a great thing. You don't, you don't have to fix right. what they're going through. You can just love them, pray, pray for them, pray with them. I was at um, a women's retreat uh, about a month ago and we were talking about friendship um, which was actually a really, it was a really great topic. I hadn't seen it discussed in like a reformed context before, but one of the things, um, the lady said is how often when, um, you know, you're, you're talking with your friend and they're struggling, do you say, can we pray right now? Like together? Um, and I was like, uh, I don't do that. <laughs> like I mm-hmm. don't do that. You know, just can 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 we just pray right now about this? And it was so interesting because later on in that retreat, I mean, it was the next day I was talking to someone and she was there with me listening and I was telling her something that was going on and she stopped and said, "Can we pray together right now?" And we sat by this little babbling brook up in the woods, you know, at our little retreat and we prayed together and it was such a blessing. And I, afterwards we're like, why don't we do this all the time? <laughs> like, just pray together right now. Why do we say, Hey, I'll pray for you and not just do it right now. So, um, I thought that was that's, really great. That's a really good reminder, Ashley. And I try to remember that, but I need to be reminded of that often. And I'm glad that, that you brought that up because that. Because even if somebody's suffering and you say, you know what, I want to pray for you right now. And they don't have to pray at that moment, but you just, you know, next to them, pray for them. That could bring them great comfort. You know, you talked about how much that meant to you in that moment. Yeah, it was a huge comfort. 
I saw, okay, so we, I don't, I don't want to neglect that we can encourage them with God's word because that's very important. Um, when I said, you know, don't be a fixer, right. it doesn't mean you can't <laughs> give them God's word. Like, definitely do. Um, just don't, don't, um, I want to be careful how I say this. Don't uh, give people God's word and expect right. it to be a band aid. Their, their issue, whatever it is that they're suffering with, is just going to go away. Because um, I've definitely had that happen where people are like kind of frustrated. Why aren't you better by now? Because I gave you, <laughs> I gave you Philippians four. I gave you, you know, this or that. You you should be better by now. Um, so use it rightly. You know, encourage them with all the things we mentioned earlier about you know the Psalms. The Psalms are a great place and. First Peter one, like there's great things that you can encourage them with about, you know, what, who, who God is and his character and how he doesn't let go of his sheep and yeah. And And there's so, there's so, so, so much in God's word that can bring comfort. And on the practical side, sometimes just saying, Hey, is there anything I can do for you? Can I take your kids for an afternoon? bring a meal I want to bring a meal to you sometimes just saying let me know if I can do something for you the person may feel awkward but saying hey I want to bring a meal to you which day would be good you know I'd love call me anytime to watch the kids you know what about next Wednesday afternoon and you know those those practical things can mean so much to people who are going through a difficult time they really can yeah, because, you know, let me know if you need anything. You know, I, I don't know. It, I, I think but it's not, it's right. not super practical, you know. I don't know that I'm necessarily going to let that person right. know if I need anything. I've had friends, I mean, and it just makes my week where, I mean, I've shared that I'm in school and also working pretty busy where someone's like, hey, can I bring over a meal on Tuesday? And you're just like, whoa. Like, you know, the fact that I don't have to cook dinner on Tuesday, are you, like, that's amazing. You know, you're so, so loved by them and so grateful. It, it really can just make yeah, the whole it, week. Yeah, it really does mean so much. When I had lost the baby, um, actually our pastor at the time, his wife was um, in, in graduate school, so he made us this meal. And it was, it was, it just meant so much. <laughs> he made this meal for us and just, they came over and had dinner with us, which was really, really, really encouraging too. And he said many encouraging things to me. So, you know, there's so much about suffering. We could talk literally, you know, we could do several episodes and we, we may tackle it sometime again and maybe even very specific types of suffering because they're, is so many women that I know are suffering with different things, even if it's just feeling overwhelmed with having several young children or dealing with marriage problems or job problems. I mean, there's just, the list goes on and on, and I'm sure I can't even think of everything. You're having a difficult time with a friend or you're struggling with an illness or you have a, a parent or a friend or a loved one who is dying or has cancer or something like that. There are just so many things that can bring suffering, but hold on to the promises of God in his word. 
and we're going to link all of the all of this stuff. Ashley and I didn't even get to all the verses, but we have so many verses and even a couple of articles that I'm going to link that I hope can be helpful for those of you who are suffering. So, well, we're going to move on to our question of the week, Ashley. I have the one. Let me grab it up. From We didn't do one last week because the Mother's Day episode was kind of a little bit different with the guests and so we don't really have time to add more stuff to it so we're going to continue on with that and I'll remind you Ashley what it was two weeks ago what's something random you love about your husband and Renee who submitted this question said I love watching my husband while he's grocery shopping he takes it very seriously and reads all the labels it's adorable (laughs) so cute um when you first asked me this thought of my husband's laugh well I met my husband working at Starbucks and my husband has this laugh that is so loud um but it's so infectious like you can't not laugh because his laugh is just so loud (laughs) like we would hear it like when we were working at Starbucks like he would be in the back room and I'd hear him you know on the other side of the store laughing at something he just has this really deep laugh that's that's really sweet um, before I tell you mine, I wanted to just share a couple of the ones that women in our group, because we post this in our group to see, you know, so other women can, you know, share some of their answers. So I wanted to read a couple of those. So someone else similar to you says, I love the way he giggles. <laughs> um, let's see. I love my husband's honesty, the way he motivates me to stick to goals and stay on track hubby is a hopeless romantic but i hate red roses guess what he gives me every time Uh, and she put a bouquet and there is one red a couple red roses but there's a lot of other ones on there too and let's see i love how gentle my husband is another one he does something most day multiple things every day to make my life easier or better I love my husband's generosity. I love watching my husband when he's on the phone or reading. He furrows his brow and it makes me laugh because my two-year-old does this now. I love to watch him say shave. He thinks it's weird, but I love it. I love my husband has a ridiculous sense of humor. He'll make a joke and then make the cutest face while he waits for me to recognize what he said though so that and we actually had 147 comments on that post and it was so fun to read if you're in the group you can look it up just um use the search option and and search question of the week because there was really some really neat things and that, it was fun it's, it's fun to do these questions of the week you know kind of do some light-hearted stuff amidst some of the serious theological stuff for me um you know, I love watching my husband with my children. It, I, he's just such an amazing dad, and I love how much the kids love him and the things he does. He's always doing stuff with them. It's just, it's just a lot of fun to watch him. So let's. Um, I got a lot of question ideas for, from the group. So let's see if I can find one that would be good because we have a ton of them. Okay, Ashley, if you could. If you had the choice to live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? So you have to think about that this week. All right. I have to think about that too. I will. 
So just a few things before we we go. You can find us on BibleThumpingWingnut.com. Click on the Theology Gals tab and you'll find all of our podcasts, our, po- our past podcasts, and our blogs. And there's links there. Uh, if you go to this episode or any of the episodes, you will find links to the ways you can contact us. You can email us at theologygals at gmail.com. You can, you can actually call our Theology Gals phone number or text it with questions because we'll do another question and answer episode in a couple of weeks. And if you want to support us, there is a link there to support us for just a few dollars a month on Patreon. So we, we really appreciate you guys guys listening, and we will see you next week.